0: Welcome everybody to the Enterprise Fleet Summit. I am Thomas Watson, Enterprise Trucking expert here at FreightWave. Wave. Super excited to be having a fireside chat with Mr. Andrew and He is the Chief Strategy Officer at Torque. You may know them from autonomous vehicles. Going to be talking a little bit about the uh, technology's impact and what it means for fleet growth. Andrew, super excited to be talking to you today. Uh, first, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how Torque is fitting into the autonomous landscape. Yes, yeah, so and then a the quick uh, quick question about myself. Um, I've actually uh, been in Tork for over 15 years. I've been
1: in this industry of self-driving and autonomous uh, sort of since since the beginning. Uh, and we were really excited in the last several years to kind of get our laser focus in on the trucking space uh, with our partnership with Imer Truck, uh, with our close collaboration with Daimler Truck North America, working with that Freightliner Cascadia. Uh, and so and that's sort of my background here. Uh, and, you know, really in this space, since we're excited about the potential uh, that autonomous trucking can provide. to so really boost uh, of you know, the supply chain, you know, robustness, add some autonomy to that middle lane, kind of being able to help on fleets today and make them work it up.
0: And I think that's a great point to talk about because having the backing of a, a large OEM, uh, Cascadies are well known in the industry as well, not only by market share, but large fleets typically are purchasing large amounts of it. Uh, you know, tell us about how, especially how Torque fits in with the scheme of it, What's kind of one of the goals for developing the technology? Do we want to make sure that it's immediately straight out of the factory or is this something where uh, we're partnering up, we're testing, and then we're kind of adjusting as
1: we go? Sort of all of the above. So, you know, first you start through the development cycle, right? You need to make sure that, that this product, this self-driving truck is, is safe from day one, right? And so a lot of that starts to have to do with how you integrate between the autonomous aspects and the chassis. Uh, the fortunate... Uh, Chance to sit down, actually, up in uh, Boston yesterday with uh, Joanna Butler and Suman, who lead up the, the Diamond Truck with America side. And that collaboration with them is so important to make sure that we're building this product together. So that's the first aspect. Then we start talking about the benefits of having a product that can come off an assembly line, right? You talk about reliability. You talk about maintenance being built into that Diamond Instructor North America maintenance network. Uh, and then you look at the reliability aspects, right? Things that are hand built things that are custom, right? Are always going to be a challenge for reliability. And so there's so many benefits that come from that close collaboration between torque and dynamo truck. Uh, And those benefits should really show up to the fleets, the customers. And so that's what we're really excited about.
0: I think talking to, it feels like it's a tale of two cities with autonomous vehicle development. You have folks who have the backing of an OEM, they have the supply chain, they have the ability to fix it. And then you have other ones that are almost looking for a partner. They have this home brew, but they almost have to like find a way to install it, having the backing and stuff. If I'm a large fleet and I need to purchase about 2,000 uh, of the 2,000 autonomous trucks, let's say in the future, uh, what what are the biggest things that I'm looking at when I'm looking to partner and looking to buy? Is that a big deal from feedback you're receiving so far with partnerships?
1: Absolutely, and you could take it down to all the you know low-level tactical things of you know after sales and maintenance and networks and all of those things. Uh, but I think you can borrow a lot of it back to to trust, right? Uh, you mentioned a lot of those large fleets they buy a lot of Cascadia's today, uh, and and there's a trust aspect there. And we're very fortunate at Torque uh, to work so closely with the North America folks, uh, but also to put our own stamp on those relationships. Um, you know, we have our Torque Autonomous Advisory Council. And, and that's all about trust and transparency with, with the fleets that we're working with today. And so for me, it kind of starts with trust, but then it's, it's different, So it's, it's trust that the product is well-developed. It's trust that there's a support network for it. You know, it's trust that that's going to be a long standing partner. If somebody buys thousands of autonomous trucks, you know, they don't want that company to be gone overnight. Right? They want to know that that's an investment that's going to be there for a while. Uh, and, and we hope that that's how people view torque in
0: this industry. I think the pilot programs are the really cool part. Uh, Schneider, CR England, large nationwide truckload carriers of the partnerships. Tell us a little about, uh, you know, not only about the two partnerships in particular, but what were some of the the learnings from when, uh, so to speak, the rubber meets the road and at least the autonomous
1: rubber? You know, you know, I think, you know, first off, and I, I always like to caveat this. We, we love those 2 We're working with more folks, so expect more, more news to come. Um, you know, Pepsi supports us on the maintenance side of these trucks. That's another aspect of commercialization. That isn't just driving down the road and maintaining them. Uh, you know, ultimately, you know, from the pilot side, it is all about learning. Right, it is learning how autonomy could fit into a freight ecosystem. Right? it's learning how autonomy fits to how they engage. You know, their shippers and their customers. Right, because at the end of the day, they have to move somebody's goods, and we're just a part of that journey. But figuring out how to plug in, what does that look like from a launching and a recovery perspective? You know, how do we do basic stuff like give them updates, you know, check calls, and where these vehicles are going down the right? road? And thinking through every little aspect, the uh, you know, items, you know, sort of joke, right? Because one of the big differences in the autonomy space, you know, roadway is a very easy tra- transaction, right? Go on an app, pick me up, drop me off. You uh, know, you guys in the fleet know far right over I do Edward just logistics that go into rotating trade goes on late and you deal with all the regulatory, all these other aspects uh, that we need to make sure we handle. And it's more than just the technology, right? The technology is a critical part. Uh, but all is other lessons learned, and again, a lot of them are operational lessons, not technology. We're be coming kind of to technology ones too, uh, but for us, that operational side of what's gonna take to fit in the market and really have a product that, that the fleets can use. That, again, improves their efficiency. They understand it like they would understand any new technology in into
0: space. I think that's really cool. Talking about not only trust, but uh, the operations. Like uh, I saw some examples of autonomous vehicles, how to handle a tire blow. And some of the testing was actually they made a truck run over and have its tire blow at a certain time. And how the, the AI is able to handle it and how it's able to maneuver itself especially also way stations and everything else. Is that some of the the nuts and bolts that the fleets are giving you feedback on? Because it feels like half the battle is making sure it goes from point to point, but the other half is everything that comes with it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's a lot of the conversations we have with whether it's pilot customers or others. You know, we have a lot of closed course tracks. We tend to do things like, you know, simulating events on closed course, right? Uh, they honestly do happen on public roads and you have to react to them. But that's a lot of it. Hey, how how would you handle this scenario? You know, we always have conversations about, you know, what, what would you tell your driver to do in this case, right? Because there's no driver now. And so that's always an interesting conversation of, you know, if you had your best driver in that truck, and that's the way we always like to think about these, these trucks, right? We want them to drive as well as, you know, the best senior driver on their best day after their best night of sleep, you know, best cup of coffee, right? What would that driver do in this situation? it's everything from the driving situations, all the way to the rare occurrences, the edge cases of what would the best driver do at this time? And so that's a lot of our conversations. Uh, we look at their driver training programs, their safety programs, and we want to make sure that we understand that because, you know, those large, especially those large fleets, some of the ones you mentioned, they have amazing driver training, amazing safety programs. Uh, And, you know, we have the ability to learn from those. That's that's really where we're at is we want to learn everything we can to put this best product in the market.
0: I think that's really cool. Looking at use cases as well. I I talked about I came from trucking. We almost tried to do like hub and spoke with actual people and assets, kind of like a, a poor person's LTL. But using a use case for autonomous, that's one thing that I'm hearing is I'm hearing the words about the hub and spoke again, where right now we're using them from large hub to large hub and then using a driver for the local delivery. Looking at the the use case, if I'm a fleet of 5,000 tractors, does my decision now become where do I need to position the autonomous relay nodes and then the local deliveries? Or are we starting to think of full end-to-end?
1: No, we're mm-hmm. still very much on that hub to hub model. And part of that has to get a some traffic for a long time, right? Is you know in this industry finding the ways to say manage complexity and get that initial that product out the door, right? Uh, and so for us, we really truly believe that HUD to hub is the way to do that and to provide a tremendous amount of value. Uh, you know, the way we've had in this conversation a lot is almost think of it as, as a flexible version of the intermodal, right? Rather than thinking of it as one thing or another thing, it's sort of a new thing, right? And that's year sort of we're going to a lot of the pilots to look at is, how would that work? Right? What are those lanes? Where are those lane segments that need to come together to make that flexible rail over the road, if you want, or other road of transporting between your key market areas work? And then, how do you position assets on either ends of those to observe first and final? When we think first and final, it's not always an hour. Right? It may be a four-hour terms where that drive road, that band truck can still be fully utilized, and we can still get them home there, right? Or it's an out and back of the day, and so. on. When we think first and final, we also don't always think, you know, 10 miles down the road, right? We also think larger lanes that connect
0: up. And it feels like this was a cool lot of conversation earlier about LTL and how, because I remember the hub and spoke, but LTL also likes to send out at specific times. I've got my 10 a.m. that goes to the hub, my noon, my 3 p.m. And I wonder if some of these large uh, enterprise fleets that also have an LTL branch, I kind of wonder if they're going across the uh, the cubicle, so to speak, and saying, "Hey, I mean, I got these autonomous trucks. I wonder if I should just schedule them because I can predict now the hours of service and stuff, and then have my drivers expect to hook to the trailer around this window." It kind of opens up trucking to a more modified instead of, "Hey, are you there yet?" I expect you to be here, uh, you know, consistent.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's all I hope, right? You know, at the end of the day, everything's just a tool in the supply chain, right? And we really hope to provide a tool that adds more predictability, whether it's from scheduling, right? More ability to schedule across the whole 24 hours, right? You know, drivers not having to be up in the middle of the night. Where we get autonomous trucks driving then. They don't retire. Uh, right. And so we can help add some of that scheduling, you know, torque in our you know, long history. We actually have done work in the mining industry in the past. And one of the things that we worked with Caterpillar very closely to is, uh, haul trucks and they would see that's that scheduling that predictability improve improved overvarietal operational efficiency and throughput because you have to run less variable you're trying to try and manage and so that's sort of our hope here and that variable could be on uh, timing it could be on uh, predictive maintenance for scheduled downtime so there's a lot of other goodness out of that predictability that we expect so then the time.
0: That's a great point. Looking at dry bulk, I think that we think of autonomous trucks for like dry van, OTR, typical, you know, either semi-random or point-to-point. But for areas where I'm going in a mining or a shale field, does that open an opportunity where these are less traversed roads, we can build out a network to where it can read it? Is that another potential opportunity for folks in the energy uh, department for their transportation? Because there's thousands of trucks that also do bulk. We just don't at least in traditional coverage, we always like to focus on the consumer commodities and not the alt commodities at energy.
1: Yeah, certainly there's an opportunity for that down the road. get talk about, you know, hub to hub and keeping it well-constrained. You know, we also want to think about that from its perspective. And we, you know, I'll say, conquer those lanes, extend it out. But anything that's regular, predictable, similar, right, those are those things that
0: make the autonomy shy. Uh, and so we want to make sure that we're, we're targeting those best applications. And kind of going back to the second topic here, looking at uh, the impacts of these pilot programs, what are some of the early feedback you're able to give? What were some of the thoughts with Fleets? Uh, to preface it, for a lot of executives we've talked to in channel checks, they're testing out the stuff, but I do wonder how far along are we in terms of adoption or uh, you know, if there's anything you can share in terms of success stories as well.
1: Yeah, so you know, we talked about adoption. This just came out uh, yesterday, two days ago, on time of our trucks, capital market. Uh, was the announcement that we need and work are Targeting you know, Scales and started production in 2027. Um, you know, we've always been very realistic about our timelines. Uh, we've been always very realistic about you know, what it's going to take to, to safely get there. Uh, and so when we're looking at it right now, it's really about the learnings to get us there, right? What are those key lessons learned? What are those key operational takeaways? Uh, and really just kind of bringing everyone on that journey together. Uh, autonomous isn't like anything else that really has been introduced. It's not a new transmission. It's not a new engine. It's not a new powertrain. Uh, it's, it's actually just a different mode of operation. And so that's going to have so many impacts, everything from how we're in into TMS to how the mechanics can work, on, right? And those are those things that we spend a lot of time with them is, okay, let's look at the skills of the mechanics today, right? They the, the, the autonomy, all that piece. Let's just talk maintenance for a second. You know, what is it gonna to take to maintain one of these? What does that look like from a service department? Do I have a huge gap in trainings that I just do? All of those other things we start to look at with that. Because at the end of the day, the general feedback is look, guys, making the autonomous trust. You know, that's the folks job, right? Building it that's downwards job. Well, what about operating? And they're thinking in their heads, okay, well, I, I operate equipment and right? I maintain equipment, I run a fleet. All of them skill sets that they have, we want to learn from and make sure that we're building the systems, whether it's on mission control, whether it's on sensor calibration, to make these universe scalable
0: products for them and not just really cool tech. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely excited to see how it goes. Final question here. Let's say I'm a CEO of a large trucking company between 5,000 to 20,000 trucks. I've got an established relationship, of course, but I know that in the next four years, we may see these things rolling off the line. Uh, what what should I be preparing to tell my management team or my folks that this is coming? Like, is there anything I really need to know about uh coming up? Because it feels like four years, uh, based on the investor day and stuff, uh, that's gonna be a blink in the terms of how trucking works.
1: Yeah. I think the first one, and I'll say this from Torque's side, is you know, we wanna have those those discussions early. So we, we only start to make sure we're engaging the industry. Uh, you know, we always try to be very comfortable with what we know, We know what time we know. How did you know work very closely with time bar, then you want to build world-class trucks? You know, those are folks that know the industry. So first engage in the conversations, reach out, you know, we want to have that dialogue. You know, and the second is this is going to be a process of scale. And so you know, look again, this industry a lot prospects that you know, all of a sudden, you know, in a heater, it's driving those trucks everywhere on every lane and all that, you know, articulistic dealers, that's going to take time to scale. And we're going to work to make sure we're working on the most critical lanes. We're identifying the most important problems to solve. And so from their perspective, we're thinking about, you know, if they had this, what would be the ideal lane or lane swept on me. How would that look like from you know if they're running all over a regular route truckload today? Are there dense lanes that they could use this on, or is, is it just not going to do a fit for a lot Those are honest conversations we want to make sure we're having. Uh as you mentioned, right? Not everybody runs it this, i done not many people. Um and so how do we start getting me to think about perhaps plan toward that in the future.
0: Well it feels like a paradigm shift and it's very exciting as well. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on. If folks want to learn more about Torque or try to set up a meeting and partner up, what's the best way to reach out?
1: Uh reach out to me directly, uh either through uh, the website, LinkedIn, I'm using get a hold of. Uh yeah. Really looking forward
0: to conversations. Thanks so much, it's Andrew. We're gonna be keeping an eye on the developments with Torque as well, and especially the paradigm shift going on. Trucking. That's right for this fireside chat, though. Stay tuned. We have a lot more content coming up.